Our second reading comes to us from the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 9 through 15. A vision of a man from Macedonia came to Paul during the night. He stood urging Paul, come over to Macedonia and help us. Immediately after he saw the vision, he prepared to leave for the province of Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We sailed from Troas straight to Samarthras and came to Neopolis for the following day. From there we went to Philippi, a city of Macedonia's first district and a Roman colony. We stayed in that city several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the riverbank where we thought there might be a place for prayer. We sat down and began to talk with the women who had gathered. One of the women was Lydia, a Gentile God-worshipper from the city of Thyatira, a dealer in purple cloth. As she listened, the Lord enabled her to embrace Paul's message. Once she and her household were baptized, she urged, Now that you have decided that I am a believer in the Lord, Come and stay in my house. And she persuaded us. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. Growing up until I was 14 or 15, I consistently made a terrible mistake. I was fortunate that my mom decided to stay home with me and my brothers. My dad made enough that she didn't have to work, and I think mine is the last generation where it's more common to have moms stay home with the children or dads than not. And people would meet me, and the first thing you do, oh, what, what do your parents do? What's your dad do? Oh, and I'd say, he's an engineer, or he works for Peterbilt. And they'd say, what's your mom do? I'd say, oh, my mom doesn't work. And that was the mistake. Saying that my mom doesn't work because she wasn't employed by someone. Saying that she didn't work because she was a stay-at-home mom. As I've gotten older and I look back, I realize how very wrong I was. I've realized that how my mom probably worked twice as hard as my dad. And every once in a while, I'll see an article that really puts us in perspective. And I ran across one a few weeks ago. And it talked about the average stay-at-home mom and broke down what she might do for the day. And it said, in any given week, a stay-at-home mom might do 22 hours of house cleaning. And the average house cleaner makes $9.05 an hour, which comes out to about $11,000 a year. And it went on adding up everything that stay-at-home parents do. And it figured that the average stay-at-home parent works, I think, 87 hours a week and will get paid $123,000 if you added it all up. If you look at working mothers, they worked about 49 hours a week and would make about $73,000. 
So to say my mom didn't work did her a grave injustice. Because stay-at-home parents work their tails off. Today's scripture reading is about a stay-at-home, or a working mom, excuse me, who works their tail off. And how difficult it is. We talk about the woman Lydia. And today's scripture reading is, is fascinating. Paul is lounging around, and he gets a vision of a man saying, Come to Macedonia. Help us. And Paul interprets that this is a message from God and he prepares his group and they head to Macedonia. And he never finds this man. He never encounters this man that the Scripture tells us. And when he gets there, he goes to Philippi, one of the biggest cities in Macedonia. And usually when Paul gets to a city, he would go to the synagogue and there preach to the people Because in the early days, most Christians were Jews first. So he'd go and preach to the Jewish people. But in Philippi, there was not such a place. So instead, he went outside the city, down to the riverbank, where he figured people would gather for prayer. And there he saw the women gathering to gather water, to wash clothes, and he began to talk to them. And one woman really stood out to him. A woman named Lydia. And Lydia, it said, was a dealer in purple cloths. Now this is extraordinary for many reasons. First, during this time, during the first and second century, women were not business people. Women were people that stayed at home with the children. Women who might run the household. But to be a business person was unheard of. But that's what Lydia did. She sold purple cloth. And purple cloth was a big business. During Advent, the liturgical colors are purple because it's the color of royalty. Because purple cloth was so rare that only the very rich, the very wealthy, only the royal could afford it. And here was this woman that not only afforded it, but dealt in it. That had enough on hand that she could sell it. That that was her livelihood. And it tells us that she had a household, she had a family, she had servants. This is the only instance in the Bible I know of a working mom. And it's this woman that Paul converts. This woman that Paul did not even expect to run into, but bumped into down at the riverside. That leads us to ask, who are the unexpected people we run in that we could leave an impact on? And Lydia hears what Paul teaches, and she decides to follow Christ. The scripture tells us that she was a God-worshipping Gentile, which means that she worshipped the Jewish God, but she had not fully converted to Judaism. But after hearing Paul, she not only made the leap, but she made the leap to following Christ, the Messiah. And then she invited them into her home. Then she said, while you're here, come and stay with me. Let me take care of you. Let me open my house to you. Let me be a base of operations for you. And at first they they refused, but Lydia persuaded them. She talked them into. So Paul and all his disciples and all his followers stayed with her. And Philippi became one of Paul's 
favorite churches. It's interesting that Lydia is never mentioned again because she must have had an impact. She was probably one of the first leaders of the church at Philippi because it all started with her. Through her hospitality and her opening her home, it gave Paul a base of operations to start the church. Paul later wrote to that church the letter of Philippians. And in case you doubt that he loved that church, he said, I thank my God every time I mention you in my prayers. I'm thankful for all of you and every time I pray. And it's always a prayer full of joy. I'm glad because of the way you've been my partners in the ministry of the gospel from the time you first believed until now. I'm sure about this. The one who started a good work in you will stay with you to complete the job. Paul tells the Philippians that he thinks of them often. And it's always a joyful thought. It's always a joyful prayer. And it all started with Lydia. It all started with her opening her hand. It all started with her welcoming them them into their house. It all started with her hospitality. Hospitality is something we don't often think of as a spiritual gift. We think of preaching, we think of teaching, we think of healing, but we don't think of hospitality. We don't think about the gift of making people feel welcome, feeling loved, feeling cared for, feeling safe. But the scriptures talk time and again about the gift of hospitality. In the book of Hebrews, they write, Keep loving each other like family. Don't neglect to open your homes to guests because by doing so, some have been host to angels without knowing it. If you go back to the Old Testament in Genesis, Abraham welcomed three strangers and offered up all his bread and all his water to help them and to care for them, not realizing that they were messengers from God. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus lifts up those who welcome strangers, who care for the least of these. Time and again, we see the gift of hospitality being lifted up in the Scriptures. The gift of welcoming people in. The gift of loving them. In the first days, churches didn't meet in a church like this, but they met in members' homes. And whoever hosted on that particular time of worship would fix a huge meal and everyone would gather around the table together and they would break bread and they would dine and then someone would get up and tell their story of how they came to follow Christ or tell of their faith. And that was the sermon. Imagining how small churches would be if we did that today. Imagining if once or twice a year you had to invite everyone here into your home and prepare a meal for them. How many of you would continue to be members of this church? But hospitality is a gift. Hospitality is something we are called to do by Christ, by God. 
We are called to follow Lydia's example, both as people and as a congregation. As a congregation, we're called to be hospitable and welcome in strangers, to make them feel at home, to make them feel like they are one of us. So often we turn off strangers, we turn off visitors without even knowing it. By talking in code, by having songs in the bulletin but not the lyrics so that people don't know where to find the Gloria Patri that we might sing every week, end after end after end, but they have never heard before. By going through rituals that they might not understand, by not telling them where the bathroom is, by staring at them if they come in through the doors a few minutes late and they come facing 40, 50, 60 strangers. We are called to be hospitable. We are called as a people. We are called as a congregation. And we have examples such as Abraham, such as Lydia to look through. And we have examples too from our own society. Does anyone here speak French? A little bit? Okay, I apologize to you in advance because I'm going to slaughter this name. But there is a French village called Le Chambon sur Lignon. Was I even close? I, all right, I got it close. And this was a French village, and in 1940, the pastor of the Protestant church heard a knock on his door. And it was a Jewish woman who was running from the Nazis. And he welcomed her in. And he cared for her as if she was his own child. And this was one person, but this was also a gateway. And soon many Jewish refugees were coming in. And this entire village became a refuge for Jews fleeing from the Nazis. Fleeing literally for their lives. They became an underground railroad helping people to flee from Nazi Germany. They welcomed in, over the course of the war, over 5,000 Jewish people and helped them to escape. This small French village of maybe 10,000 people helped half its population in numbers, welcomed them in, embraced them as their own. This is what they became known for. When that Protestant pastor was finally arrested, he said, My sheep are these people. And a shepherd does not leave his flock. I don't know what a Jew is. I only know what people are. He didn't see someone that was different from him. He didn't see someone that was a stranger. He saw someone who was created in the image of God just as he is. And he opened his doors and he welcomed them in. A few years ago, there was a movie called The Blind Side, which I'm sure most of you saw, about the left tackle Michael Orr, who was drafted by the Baltimore Ravens, but then went to play for the Tennessee Titans. And he's still playing. He played for the Carolina Panthers last year. And he grew up without a family. And a white family took him in. And this was the movie was all about Sandra Bullock and her family taking this young man in, helping to raise him, buying him clothes, giving him a room, even on his 16th birthday, buying him a car. And when he was in high school, they decided that they were going to become his legal guardian. 
And they were sitting around dinner one night and they decided to broach the subject with him. And they said, how would you feel about becoming a part of our family? And he looked at them and said, I thought I already was. That's what hospitality is all about. Hospitality is about making people feel like they're part of your family. Whether it's your church family, your home family. It's about accepting them. Caring for them. Offering them a place where they feel safe and they feel loved. The Greek word for hospitality used in the New Testament goes beyond acceptance. It goes beyond caring and it speaks of love. Jesus said one of the greatest commandments is to love others as we love ourselves. And that's at the root of hospitality. That's at the root of why we should be opening our doors and welcoming in the stranger. Welcoming in the foreigner. Welcoming in those that society society overlooks. And saying, come. You are loved. You are safe. You're welcomed here. In a moment, we are going to accept the gift of hospitality. We're going to gather around Christ's table, and Christ is host to us, and Christ welcomes us, and Christ says, Come. You are loved. You are safe. This is your home. As we prepare to accept Christ's hospitality, let us sing, Let us break bread together. Him 513.